Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. The title of this week's lesson is Joseph the Dreamer or the Visionary. The text comes from Genesis 37. The verses are 1 through 12. Genesis 37, the verses are 1 through 12. Let's open and read together the Word of God from the New King James Version. The text reads, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zelpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams, and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. Verse 10. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here am I. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding the flocks. And the man says, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, 
let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Praise God for his truth, his word. Let us use it to his glory. Again, that's Genesis 37, verses 1 through 22. 1 through 22. Uh, so this is an introductory lesson, saints. Uh, it's an introductory lessons to a series of lessons examining his, Joseph, uh, his family dynamics and filial jealousy, uh, looking at God's providence, God's blessings and gifts given to uh, God's obedient children. We'll be looking at forgiveness demonstrated, patience exhibited. So we'll be, this will be several weeks through the winter term. Yeah, the ancient wisdom of God's holy word is on display in this dramatic narrative of the life of Joseph. What we uh, witness here in this extended study of Genesis is the unfolding of God's purpose for the human family. In the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4, God was to send a Savior. The Old Testament is a story about God's plan of redemption. The Old Testament provides vivid biographies and histories of ancient people and their struggle to embrace what the moral expectation, moral expectations, God's people coming to grips with righteousness of right and wrong, of a God of righteousness, of a God who sits high and looks low, a holy and righteous God whose reign is forever and ever. What was written in the past foreshadows the age that was to come and is available for Christian instruction. Note 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. These things become our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. Joseph's birth is reported in Genesis 30. A story focusing on his life begins in Genesis 37, 
and continues to the end of the book. We note in Genesis 37 and 2, Joseph brought a bad report of them, that is his brothers, to his father. He, Joseph, must have been indignant, uh, maybe annoyed at the brothers' lack of commitment to their tasks as seen in verse 3, that Israel made, or his father Israel, Jacob, made Joseph a tunic of many colors. So, again, here we find Joseph the favored son. He was envied by his brothers who saw the special coat as an indication that Joseph would assume family leadership. When Joseph's firstborn of Rachel and Jacob was still a young... Yeah, when Joseph, who was the firstborn of Rachel and Jacob, was still a young man, he had his first dream. At least the first we're told about. Joseph was about 17 years old. At this point, his brothers were grown men. When they saw him coming to them with a message from Joseph, this is in verse 19 of chapter 37, behold, the master of dreams comes. So this motif, this theme of dreams uh, or visions and the ability to interpret these uh, visions is central to the story of Joseph. But when these brothers say, Behold, the master of dreams comes in verse 19. There being, the tone is sarcasm. When in fact, this was to become a prophetic statement. For Joseph truly emerges from the pages of inspiration as a master of dreams. How can we understand the value of Joseph's dream. Possibly Joseph had been relating dreams to his brothers for some time. The relationship between Joseph and his half-brothers, particularly the sons of Jacob's concubines, Bilhah and Selpah, had been less than ideal. It was not hard for the other sons of Jacob to recognize Joseph was their father's favorite. The favoritism was to weigh as heavily on Jacob's family as it had on our study of Isaac's family. The tensions, the infighting, the intrigue in a family, the dysfunction of this family. When Joseph began relating to his brothers, the dreams he was having, tensions grew, as we've noted. Joseph said in a dream as he was binding his sheaf, it stood upright. The sheaves of his brothers gathered around his sheaves and bowed before it. 
Therefore, his brothers' suspicions grew when Joseph told them of his dreams. Genesis 37, 11, in which all the brothers bowed down to him. After this vision interpretation, Joseph related another dream. This time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down before him. The brothers took the sun and moon to represent their parents. They despised their younger brother even more. Did Joseph expect the time was coming when their parents, along with all of them, were to bow down before him? Their anger was such they took the matter to their father, to Jacob. Even for Jacob, the vision was too much. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they remembered how much they loathed him and they feared him. The ten of them agreed together to kill him, to tell their father he had been killed by a wild animal and to be rid of the master of dreams. They didn't like the message and they were willing and able to eliminate the messenger. It was unimaginable to them the truth of this message. The narrative tells that his brothers plotted against him and would have killed him had not the eldest brother, Reuben, interposed. He persuaded them instead to throw Joseph into a pit and secretly plan to rescue him later. However, while Reuben was absent, the others planned to sell him to a a company of Ishmaelite merchants. When the passing Midianites arrived, the brothers dragged Joseph up and sold him to the merchants for 20 pieces of silver. The brothers then dipped Joseph's coat in goat blood and showed it to their father who assumed that Joseph had been torn apart by wild beasts. Subsequently, there was intentional deception of Jacob regarding Joseph's whereabouts. They lied. We note as a result, Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. And we also note his subsequent rise to second rank in Egypt, his prospering in Egypt, and the eventual salvation of the family of Jacob from starvation and the eventual relocation, therefore, of Joseph's family to Egypt. Joseph was the 11th of Jacob's 12 sons. Abraham was his great-grandfather. And as the first son born to Rachel, Jacob's favored wife, he had, as we noted, Joseph had 
enjoyed a special status, a special privileged status relationship with his father. Again, we noted that Joseph had been uh, given particular gifts, the long coat of many colors, and that these dreams that he had that started when he was 17 seemed to be that he couldn't, Joseph couldn't help himself but to share those dreams. It was, uh, he was compelled to do so. That was his, ultimately, his gift. The emphasis for us is understanding the significance of a visionary, a dreamer, who was rejected at home. Joseph was rejected. The truth of his vision and his interpretations were rejected. He suffered, went down into the pit, and came up to a life renewed. We had learned of the first dream where uh, Joseph and his brothers had gathered these bundles of grain, as we mentioned, and also the second dream where the sun, S-U-N, representing the father, the moon representing the mother, and the 11 stars representing the brothers bowed to Joseph himself. These dreams implying his supremacy had angered his brothers. And they acted out of evil intent to silence him, silence Joseph. But the truth cannot be silenced. Some themes we will explore in Subsequent lessons, the remainder of the winter quarter, include suffering, redemption, restoration, Joseph as a type of Christ figure, a visionary, an interpreter of dreams, a son, S-O-N, a prophet. We will study Joseph's life in Egypt, uh, how he profited, how he prospered, how he was tempted. We learn he was in Egypt, though he was not of Egypt. His character was built on moral principles and his obligation to God. Other themes include lessons on community and how and family and how it is needed for survival. We will explore the moral awakening of man and the significance of forgiveness given and reciprocated. The focus of the narrative is upon Joseph as the one who brings life, the mediator, deliverer of Yahweh's blessings to the rest of humanity. When everyone else is in dire need and dying of famine, 
Egypt under Joseph is the fount of relief, food, sustenance to which nation all the earth comes. Genesis 41, 57 says the famine was severe in all the land. Genesis 42 and 2, Jacob said, I have heard there is grain down in Egypt. Go down to that place. We will look at Joseph as the instrument of salvation. Genesis 47, verse 19. Give us seed that we may live, not die. Genesis 47, 25. So they said, you saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servant. Joseph consistently and obediently defers to Yahweh. Genesis 42 and verse 18. Do this and live, for I fear God. Genesis 45 and 5. For God has sent. Chapter 50 and verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Thus, Joseph's life is intricately tied in with his being an instrument, an agent of God's will, of God's blessing to the world. Both Joseph's family, the nation as well, all the earth, blessed by Yahweh through him. Joseph's life details his suffering and adversity, God's grace, Joseph's visionary gifts, and his virtuous behavior and our individual responsibility to follow God. This lesson is yours. Let us pray together, family. Gracious and all-wise God of heaven, we humbly approach your throne of grace with all due humility, deference, and thanksgiving. We come to you with faith, a faithful obedience. Father, we offer up our prayers for all who are near and those who are far off. We pray for those who do not know you yet, Father that they may come to know you through your word before it's everlasting too late. We pray for those who are sick, those who are shut in, those who are their caregivers. Father, sustain them in their hour of need and give them those things they stand in need of. <coughs> Excuse me, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, we who are the recipients of your love. We thank you for your Son, our Savior, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, 
We pray for those who are in mourning. (coughs) Excuse me. Father, give us all those things we stand in need of, if it be your will. Help us, Father, to practice spiritual discernment and be intentional about our faith journey. Help us, Father, to remember as James penned to count it all joy. You, Father, are our rock, our salvation. Lead us in the paths of righteousness. These and all other blessings we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Saints, thanks for listening. Hopefully there was something said that is uplifting and edifying. Next week's lesson is Joseph at Potiphar's house. Genesis, the text, Genesis 39, 1 through 23. Genesis 39, 1 through 23. Again, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe. Call, text, email one another. Be a blessing to others. Bye for now.